The Dental Download Podcast is your source for insight into dental school, conversations with dentists, specialists, and leaders in the industry. With new episodes every Monday morning, I'm your host, Haley Schultz. Let's get into this week's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Dental Download Podcast. Happy Monday. And this week, we are joined with another guest. As I mentioned last week, a lot of our upcoming episodes are going to be guests, but I did my very best to kind of disperse the type of guests that you're going to be getting week to week, whether they're people in the dental industry in general, general dentists, dental students, different types of specialties, different people that have been successful in dentistry. So, That's what you can be expecting, as well as a few solo episodes sprinkled in here and there throughout ending off this summer and getting into the fall. I have episodes recorded through October, other than the few solo episodes that I'll be doing, so I'm very happy about that. It was quite a lot of work having tons and tons of Zoom calls the past couple weeks, but well worth it. This week, we are joined with Sean Crabtree, the author of Dental Profits, and we talk a lot about business management, practice management, systems for success, if you will. So I know that's a big thing. Dental students are always saying, I wish we learned more about practice management. I wish we learned more about managing our team and our office. So we talk about things like wages, bonus systems, do's and don'ts, mistakes that they see, and ways to avoid them. So I think you're all going to find this episode to be very interesting if you have any inclination at all into practice ownership. It's a great one to listen to. But before we get into that episode with Sean, I did just quickly want to recap this past week as I like to do in our weekly intros. So I'm coming up on finals. When I'm recording this, it's the first week of August and the second week of August when you're listening to this is our finals week. So we have five finals, and I have a final in GU, General Urinary System, on Monday. On Wednesday, I have a final for our periodontics class. On Thursday, I have applied biomaterials. And on Friday, I will have two finals in treatment planning, and then the other final will be in neoplasia. And then a few hours later, I will be at the airport on the plane to Alaska. So I can't wait for that. Definitely something motivating me for this really kind of dry week that I'm currently in when I'm recording this. It's pretty tough, as sure as a lot of you know that are students, just to sit and stare at your laptop all day for like six, seven, eight hours just watching lectures. I found that rewatching the lectures closer to the exam has been really helpful for me. So I'm trying to rewatch all the lectures for all of these classes, but that can be 10, 12, 13 lectures. And most lectures are at least an hour, sometimes they're two hours. So Lots and lots of content across the five classes, if you can imagine. So that's basically all that's been going on for me. I moved out of my apartment successfully, which was great. We're moving into our house in Ann Arbor at the end of August, so I'm very excited to have more space, saving money on rent, just a nicer space, have a few more roommates. I think that'll be fun, more people to hang out with. But that's really all the recap for this week. Next week's episode is going to be my D2 summer recap. So when you're listening to this, be sure to head over to Dental Download Podcast on Instagram and submit questions for that episode. That way I can record it and answer things that you all want to know about dental school so far, most specifically keeping it to this past semester. The things I learned, the things that went well, things that didn't go well, what's kind of new in the curriculum. That's all kind of going to be covered in next week's episode. But for now, let's get into this episode with Sean Crabtree about dental profits, all about successful systems for dental practices.
All right. Hi, everyone. So we do have another guest today. I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Just tell us a little bit about where he's from, what kind of work they're doing. So Sean, if you want to take it away. Hey, I appreciate you having me on. And let me just say, I'm so impressed with uh, everything that you have going on. You're, 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 you're still bringing value to your listeners. And I know that, that a podcast like this is not a, um, it's not a light, uh, you know, it's a time consuming thing. And so anyway, I appreciate the fact that you are putting time and energy into this and, uh, and I'm happy to be on. So my name is Sean Crabtree. My company is called the Crabtree Group. And so what do we do is for the last almost 25 years, I have worked closely with dentists and teams from Vancouver, British Columbia to Barbados, um, all over the Caribbean to up past where you are to the Great Lakes. And so what we do is find out as much as we can about sort of who it is, how it is, what it is, where it is that a dentist wants to be um, personally, professionally, financially, uh, all of those things. And then we find out as much as we can about where they are in all of the areas of the practice. And we help them develop strategies to get from where it is they are to where it is that they're trying to go. Um, As you know, um, becoming a dentist requires a tremendous amount of time and er energy and effort and money learning the clinical aspects of dentistry. However, when you get into the actual business of dentistry, the success of your practice really is about a whole lot more than what goes on clinically. And so that's what we, you know, I mean, you guys don't get too much training on things like marketing your practice and leadership and communication and team building and all of those things that are required sales, you know, to have a really successful business. So we're very good at what we do. Our guys on average will grow about 49%. I don't know if that number means much to you, but the average practice in the U.S. will grow 2 to 3% uh, year over year. It's not uncommon for our guys to grow 100% while working fewer days and fewer hours. And so that's a little bit about sort of what we do. Awesome. And yeah, of course, obviously less work, more productive work, happier work definitely sounds appealing to everybody. So I'm looking forward to diving in a little bit deeper to some of the insight that you have. Firstly, for dental students, what are some things that we should be considering or learning more about when it comes to having a successful practice later on? You know, there's a lot of ways I could go with the answer to that question, Haley. Um, But let me, let me introduce my book. Um, there's a book that I have that came out about two weeks ago. It's called Dental Profits. It's on Amazon, and it's still in a launch price. So um, anybody who's listening that wants to download that, you can right now you can get it for some crazy, like, I don't know, it's like less than a dollar or something, at least the, the Kindle version is. So, uh, and in that book, I cover the answer to pretty much, you know, everything that you're asking in that question. What are some things that you guys need to know? Um, I think the first thing I would say is when you're in dental school, obviously it's competitive and, you know, at the same time, it's also, you have a lot of, like, you have a lot of support. I mean, the peer group that you have, you're all going through sort of the same things. 
and yes, it's competitive, but you still get to collaborate and, and lean on each other. And you're kind of all, you know, going through the same thing at the same time. When you're in private practice, especially, um, you know, you're, you're kind of on your own. And honestly, the clinical aspects of what you learned in dental school are a very small percentage of having a successful dental practice. It's much more like, like in dental school, everything is sort of individualized. You're learning individualized. You still have support, but you're learning those things on an individual and you perform on an individual basis. In practice, it's very collaborative. Uh, it's very people oriented, right? You're not working on teeth. You're working on a patient who has teeth um, and you have to depend on the people in your practice as your team to be able to implement systematic approaches so that, you know, things like treatment actually gets accepted so that you get to perform the work so that you've got systems in place to be able to actually get paid. Um, and so that you know how to manage all of the payments and all of the people and all of those things. And so I guess the, the number one thing back to your question you know, what is the number one thing that, that I would want to know if I were in school right now? It, it's really dentistry is a people business. It's a very collaborative business to be successful. It's all about people. And right now in dental school, it's really all about teeth. Is that fair to say? Yeah, for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> so that would be the number one thing I think that I would say. My book is really written around all of that. Um, you know, you know, how to like one of the number one things real quick, and then I'll let you ask your next question. One of the number one challenges that I've run into that every dentist faces is there's so much energy spent on learning to perform the procedures at a very high level. But there's another aspect when you're actually in practice, you, you have to have the patient accept the work that is needed before you actually get to perform it. And so having a systematic approach around that number one issue that every dentist faces, it doesn't matter in what style of practice that you're in corporate or otherwise, you know, the, the human beings have to, the patients have to accept the work before you get to perform it and what they accept will determine what you perform. So is it comprehensive? Are the patients accepting comprehensive? Is it single unit? Um, all of those things over the lifetime of practice can determine how much fun, how profitable, <laughs> how fulfilling, you know, your career is actually going to be. And so the main point of dental profits is that systematic approach, what every, the role that every person plays in treatment acceptance from the time the phone is answered through what happens at the chairside visit how to create value for the dentistry, for the finances, for the schedule, for the time. And then, you know, what role each person plays all the way through to the end where the financial arrangement is. That was a long answer to your question. <laughs> I hope I did pretty well there. No, that was great. I definitely get what you're saying. And I think what you're talking about, those soft skills that we kind of need to be developing right now in dental school through whatever means we feel like, but to improve those communications, management, leadership skills kind of leads into the next thing I wanted to talk about, which is staffing, teamwork, managing people. How do you recommend dentists go about filling a role that opens up in their office, whether that's an office manager, a dental assistant, hygienist, 
And I guess more specifically, once you get into it, I know that some people have pay incentives or like a bonus structure, but adding these incentives obviously comes at a cost. So how do you recommend balancing the fees that you're going to be paying your employees, but still trying to be a profitable practice? Boy, that's a mouthful. Yeah, that was a long question. We can take it in segments. (laughs) Well, so let me answer it like this. Um, You know, the first part of your question is how do I best recommend, you know, filling vacancies on the team? I can tell you this, um, you know, 2020 and even now, um, all over the country, this this, this challenge is tenfold what it was previous to 2020. I mean, literally tenfold. Every dentist I talk to all across the United States and even outside the United States um, in certain parts of Canada, it is a really tough challenge to, to fill those spots. So how do I recommend that you do it? I personally think that what we're experiencing right now in dentistry, every, every industry is experiencing it because of the lay of the land politically and otherwise, but that's going to change. You know, we'll get through it and, and we'll get back to normal. Um, where we don't have as big of a challenge filling a hole. How do I recommend that you do it? The great practices that I've worked with and been blessed to work with over the last 25 years or so, it's never been a challenge because the culture that we create is always attracting good people. And that's the best way that I can say to do it. If you're looking out on the, on the job boards and you know Monster and Indeed you know, and all of those things, you never kind of really know what you're getting. But if you just focus from the inside out and you focus on creating a culture in your practice where communication is open, it's honest, it's ongoing. Everybody on the team knows where everybody stands. There's no sort of, um, you know, uh, toxic uh, gossiping and all of that going on, which I don't know if, if, if that's, you know, I don't know if that's something even that, um, that you're considering at this point, but that is a big, big challenge because as I said before, dentistry is a collaborative effort. As a dentist, you need the people on your team to be playing different roles or the business is not maximized. And so creating that culture from the inside out creates an opportunity where there are always people who are waiting to get in and word spreads. When you have a great team and a great culture and everybody loves the patients and they love the team and they love how we're laying out the culture and all of that, then it's really not a problem finding somebody. Now, the second part of your question was about bonuses and, 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 and how do you balance that in terms of, you know, costs and fees and all of this. Um, this is one of the, I dedicate a whole chapter to this in my book, Dental Profits, because this is one of the things that I think is probably the least understood. And I think it's probably the most volatile situation out there. Um, number one, here's what I would say. What you're paying your employees is not something that you should have to balance. Um, your payroll is an investment in the ability to serve your patients at a very high level. It really is not a cost. It is, it it is what you do to be able to serve your patients and be able to perform the dentistry that you want to do at a very high level. Um, so from that standpoint, your people are not liabilities, you know, on the, on the balance sheet. 
they're, they're totally assets. Now, when it comes to outside of payroll, when it comes to a bonus specifically, one of the biggest challenges, and I don't know if, if this doesn't make sense, you stop me, Haley, and ask me a question. In the dental practice, you know, there, there, are, there are different departments. And as long as you view it this way, then it'll make sense. What you produce as a dentist, the actual treatment that you produce, crowns and bridges and implants and you know, whatever it is that you're doing in a production standpoint is a separate conversation from what you collect because you may have insurance um, relationships. You may have contractual PPOs going on. And so, you know, as an example, you may charge a thousand dollars at your fee for a crown, but if you're in a relationship with an insurance company, they tell you what you can charge to patients who are in that particular insurance. And so instead of a thousand dollars, as an example, you may be able to charge, you know, 600 and out of that 600, you can only collect, you know, let's say $50 from the patient and the insurance company marks it down and pays you $300, whatever the situation is. So collections is totally different from what you produce. If you understand that and view it in that way, then bonuses can't be based on anything other than profitability. And bonuses should not be rooted in what you produce because it's as you see, those are two very different departments. It's very easy as a business owner to get in a situation where your production is really high and you're having to pay a bonus on monies that are not collected, if that makes any sense. So when you understand that those two things are really different, you've got production, you've got collection, you've got costs associated with what you collect. And then what you have left over is profitability. <clears throat> That's what you pay yourself out of as a doctor and that would be the money that would generate bonuses. So you lay that bonus out. And again, I talk about how to do that in, in a chapter in my book, Dental Profits. But for this conversation, you just root the bonus in profitability. And therefore, you incentivize the team to be thinking like partners in your business, not doing tasks or, or doing what they're told. But they're part of a team. They understand where you're trying to go. They understand collaboratively where we are trying to be for our patients, for our team, for the profitability. And then when we achieve a collection that is over and above, you know, what that profitability margin is, we've increased our profit. And now out of that comes a percentage that you can pay in bonuses. And a lot of doctors get into a mess because they root that in something else. You know, they'll make a bonus based on how many new patients we get. Well, I mean, you know, you could do that and there's nothing wrong with that, but, but it's very likely that you're paying, you know, bonuses, you know, regardless of what the collections are. If you always base the bonus based on the profitability of the practice, you're never going to get in a mess and actually rob from the profitability. If you base your bonus in something else, production, Google reviews, new pace, you know, whatever, it's, it's very likely that you get yourself in a position where, again, you're not paying out of profitability. And then as a business owner, you're going, man, I got this bonus in place. I got to pull it. I can't do it anymore. Well, that's worse than even, even, even not starting a bonus, right? <laughs> because you, you know, now you're like what I call the weatherman. You, you're promising sunshine, but then you know, your team is getting rain, and that'll get them down. And then you lose the ability to have partners who are collaborating. Yeah, I totally see why 
having these systems thought out ahead of time can help avoid a lot of headaches and disappointments and miscommunication between you and your team. So thanks for all of that insight there. Sure. And that's a great way to put it. Disappointments. <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a, great... that's a nice way to say it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, still looking, I guess, at profitability in a sense, is there any one simple thing that you look to first when a practice is trying to decrease their overhead? You know, I, I actually look at the first thing the other way around. Um, okay. I mean, sometimes you know, occasionally I'll run into a situation where the overhead um, is out of whack, but it's not really the norm. Um, the norm is we're not maximizing our ability to collect or we're not maximizing our ability to produce and therefore collect, or we're not maximizing our ability to produce and collect. Um, I mean, it is, I mean, you know, occasionally I run into a situation where the overhead is out of whack and it could be anything. Um, it could be, uh, you know, maybe 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 school loans or practice loans, or it could be, you know, maybe payroll is just way out of the ballpark or whatever. But that's really a rare, rare scenario. More than more often than not, the challenge I run into is because the dentist really enjoys doing the dentistry. There's very little focus on the opportunity to collect. One of the things I talk about, and I don't know if this is like, I don't want to get into the weeds here too much if, if, if this is, uh, if it is into the weeds too much. But one of the things I talk about in the book, Dental Profits, is in most practices that I walk into for the first time, there's somewhere between a 15 and a 30% bottom line opportunity. And what, now, what do I mean by that? I mean, there's somewhere between 15 to 30% profitability opportunity that we're losing because again the dentist enjoys the dentistry and you know you know Susie at the front desk has fallen into this trap uh, just through maybe habit or whatever where she's really not collecting anything at all from the patients and the patients come in and Susie says hi and she sends them back and the doctor performs the work and then Susie says you know we'll file your insurance see you later And so there's just tons and tons of accounts receivable sitting out there, or at the very least, just missed opportunity. You know, in today's day and age, the dentist as a, as an owner, as a business owner has more opportunity than any other time in history. There are 15 companies out there that just top of my head that are vying for the ability to finance, you know, dental work for patients and make it super easy. Like, like just like buying, you know, patio furniture at the home Depot or whatever, you know, you can get it 90 days or, or 36 months interest free. And so the ability now that dentists have to actually collect on procedures ahead of time, like the whole case and not have to worry. The patient doesn't have to worry about paying every time they visit that's a huge impact to the bottom line profitability and it's a major stress reducer. (laughs) So, so to answer your question, you know, it, it, it is, it does happen where, where I look at the possibility of reducing costs, but it's such a rare scenario. More often than not, it's really about how do we increase the bottom line profitability? 
And sometimes that is in addition to, um, you know, just collections opportunities, it's creating systems to be able to have conversations with the patients about finances. Okay. That makes sense. And so you'd say the biggest thing that you try to start with then isn't even necessarily new patients, more appointments, more structure. It's just at least starting to improve your collections. You know, yes. And let me, let me, let me tell you what I mean by that, Haley. Um, you know, I've been doing this for a lot of years and I'm an old guy. Uh, I got a lot of gray hair on my chin and, uh, and I can tell you um, for, for nearly the last 25 years, no matter where it is that I speak um, at any state association, like the Chicago Midwinter or the Yankee or the New York, the greater New York or, or like whatever, the number one question I get is, Sean, how do I get more new patients? As a strategist, you know, I can tell you that that is the wrong focus. Um, you know, for anybody who's listening to this, if you're thinking about going into dentistry in a private practice setting or, or, or not, maybe, maybe some other setting, um, I can tell you this. If your number one focus is a constant, never-ending chase for new patients, you're setting yourself up that the only way you're going to be able to grow is more, 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 more hours added to your day, more days added to your schedule, less vacation time, later nights, longer days, um, more patients. And along with the ability to see more and more and more new patients, your overhead goes up because you've got to have staff to be able to see all of these patients that are coming in. You've got to have, you know, soft overhead, like just the facility costs and supplies and, you know, flipping rooms and time and all of those things, your costs are associated with the ability to see those patients. One of the things we do as a strategist is to really flip that upside down because over the last, well over the last two decades, I find that dentists get really burned out really quick because again, it's easy to view your practice as the analogy. Sometimes I look at is like, you know, you're, you're pedaling a bike. And so you're in this practice and you're pedaling a bike and you're going, well, how do I grow the practice? How do I grow it and get it bigger? Well, I got to pedal harder. Okay. So you pedal harder. And then pretty soon it's like, well, maybe I got to get some more people pedaling. And so now we're all peddling. Well, how do I grow from there? Well, at some point you get tired and that eventually leads to burnout. And it happens in dentistry big time. A much better approach is instead of adding more and more and more new patients, never endingly, and then more hours and more days to schedule, learn the concept that I talk about in my book, which is treatment acceptance. Learn how to create value for the dentistry that's there. In every practice that I've ever been in for the first time, I always find that there are, depending on how long they've been in business, I always find that there is a million to $4 million worth of dentistry that's been diagnosed, but it wasn't accepted by the patients. Or if they didn't have some of those collection procedures in place, like we talked about, then they've got a million to $3 million sitting out there in treatment that was diagnosed and it was started but it was never finished. And so instead of spending 
you know, marketing dollars and time and money on supplies and payroll and all of that to see more and more and more new patients learn the concept. I call it the value model. And I've been implementing this for, like I said, well over two decades. Learn how to create value for the dentistry that the patients need in the first place. And so instead of pedaling harder and faster uh, and really not getting anywhere, slow down the pedaling, but make sure you're in a higher gear. And so every turn of the pedal is getting you farther down the road. Another analogy I use is baseball. You know, if you, if you stand at the plate and swing the bat uh, 10 times with 10 at bats, but you only hit the ball once and your whole focus is batting more, you're going to wear yourself out. If you're batting 10 times, learn how to hit the ball nine times out of 10 and then get great at hitting the ball so that you're not just hitting singles. You're hitting doubles, triples, and home runs. Now you're spending a lot less energy and a lot less effort, and you're getting a lot more reward. Now, the interesting thing, too, is it's not just simply about you as the dentist and your team. If your patients are accepting comprehensively what you're diagnosing, the dentistry that you know they need, if they're accepting it, you're serving them at a much higher level as well. It serves your patients, it serves your team, and it serves your bottom line profitability. Yeah, I totally, totally hear what you're saying. And that definitely answered my question in a way that I wasn't even expecting. So I appreciate it. I learned a lot from that. <laughs> are, you, are you saying I'm talking too much? <laughs> no, no, okay. that was all really good info. I think we'll do one or two more things I was curious about here. So you did kind of just speak about this a little bit, but everyone, as you know, from all the dentists you've worked with, everyone has a different style of practicing dentistry. And what do you think is a good baseline or recommendation for scheduling and workflow in a practice? Like how many patients should a dentist be seeing each day? Oh, wow. Boy, that is a, that is a really good question. And and I think, I think that's not for me to answer because I don't think that there is really a good baseline. Here instead would be my challenge. It's the American dream, right? I mean, if you're going to open your own practice, you're going to be an entrepreneur. And as an entrepreneur, that's part of fulfilling, in my view, that's part of fulfilling the American dream. Um, I think, I think we're not just dentists. I think where most people mess up is they allow the business to determine what everything looks like. And really what you should do is before you jump in and start practicing, you need to ask yourself a handful of questions. Number one, what is the kind of dentistry that I most like to do? Is it restorative, you know, cosmetic? Is it surgical? Is it implants? Is like, like what is it as a general dentist? What is the, sur- the, 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 the procedures that you most like to perform? Number two, what is your work ethic? Um, you know, and I don't, I don't mean that in a, in, a, in a characteristic, what is your work ethic? I mean, what is a pace that you believe? And this is a tricky question because when you're young, things look a lot different than when you get a little age on you uh, or when you get to the the end of your life cycle. So it is a tricky question, but I would ask it of myself directly like this. What is a pace that I would thoroughly enjoy and can see myself working at for the entirety of my career? 
I have lots of doctors who do a lot of cosmetic and a lot of sleep dentistry. And frankly, um, you know, they make a lot of money and they have a, a very small staff, maybe, you know, one assistant, one hygienist, one front desk. Um, but they make a, an exceptionally good living and their practice, you know, will do 1.5, 1.8 or $2 million. I talk about specific examples of that in my book, Dental Profits. And there's one example I use of a client of mine in the book. Um, he's got a $1.8 million practice. He's taken home a considerable amount of money because his, his profitability margin is maximized, meaning his overhead and, and the fees that he brings in, his overhead is very low compared to what he brings in. And he'll see six patients a day in his schedule and maybe six or eight patients a day on the hygiene schedule. Um, and he's making, you know, he's got a, a profitability margin of around 50%. 50%, you know, is a, is a good, is a good, a good uh, profitability margin uh, on 1.5 or $1.8 million. So the other side of that is, you know, there's another example I talk about in my book where a doctor reached out to me through another doctor and he, he was looking for some help. And his first question was, how do I get more new patients? Well, as I, before I answered, I asked some more questions. You know, how many, how many patients are you seeing right now, new patients? He said 90. This is a single doctor practice. He's seen 90 new patients a month. Now, to put that in perspective, he's got 90 new patients a month walking into the door. On top of that, he had three hygienists working out of three chairs, and he's doing operative dentistry at the same time. He had almost like 14 or maybe 19 employees that he was paying, including the, uh, including the part-timers. And he was falling right into that trap where his schedule was just massively full, but because he wasn't creating value for the dentistry, then the only way to grow is more schedule, you know, more patience, more time, more headache, more overhead, more team, more facility. And it was just driving him crazy. So I don't know that I'm answering the question directly. I just don't know that I'm qualified to say what is a great baseline of patience. Instead, I would ask myself those questions on the front end and really be sincere. How long do I see myself keeping up at what kind of pace and what is comfortable for you? And I know when you when you get out of school, you know, you're 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 hungry to make a difference and you're really hungry to implement everything that you've learned up to that point. But you have to really think about, you know, this is my life and, and, and I'm going to have a family and or maybe I already have a family and, and I've got, you know, debt and I've got, you know, other things to worry about. And so I've got to lay this out in a way that the pace is comfortable and it's enjoyable for me. And I'm doing the kind of dentistry that I want to do. Once you sort of answer some of those questions, then you can begin to target who are the kinds of patients that I'm looking for and, you know, that would appreciate or need the kind of dentistry that I want to perform. And then I can set up the systems in my practice to really target those folks and lay it out in a way that's serving me, my team, my family, my patients, and my bottom line profitability. That does make a lot of sense. I kind of figured it would be something along those lines. Cause like I said, everyone is so different and they're, needs and goals are going to be different as well. And it's, it's worth talking about Haley, because I, again, I think the biggest thing that I run into is this burnout factor. 
And, you know, when you're, when you're anxious to make a difference and you're anxious to, uh, to perform everything that you've learned uh, for yourself and for your patients, it, it really is super easy to fall into this trap where you're just given, 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 given. And you can do that for a while. And then you wake up and it's like, wow, man, I have not seen my family or I've got a little one on the way or I've got kids that I never see. And pretty soon, you know, it starts to burn you out big time. And you got to lay this out in a way that makes it uh, gives you longevity. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, you can't help your patients at the highest level, even, even if you're not selfish for yourself. You know, you got to lay this out in a way so that you can do it over the long haul and help the amount of people that you want to help. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. So I think that's everything that I wanted to cover today. I do really appreciate your time and Dental Profit seems like a great book for anyone to check out, especially my audience of listeners, like dental students, new dentists. So thank you so much again for your time today. Haley, it has been a pleasure and I have so much respect for you and what you're doing.